0: Hi, I'm Roland McAlpine, a Pioneer sales rep from Glencoe, Ontario, and this is the Pioneer Made to Grow podcast. Thanks and welcome to a special episode of the Pioneer Made to Grow podcast. This season, as you saw in our last episode from Corteva's Research Farm outside of Saskatoon, we're getting on the road more often, and this episode's no different. Today, we're in southwestern Ontario at the Crop, Plot and Customer Appreciation Day for McAlpin Seeds. So certainly thanks to Pioneer Seed Rep Roland McAlpin and his family for not only hosting the day, but inviting us to do a live recording of the podcast. Now, with today's guest, we're going to cover an incredibly important subject when it comes to the profitability for grain growers across the country. And that's on the marketing side. We've seen some big adjustments. Not necessarily positive, but big adjustments in the market since this time last year. And to help us walk through why that is and what things we as growers need to watch out for as we head into the fall and winter is Justin Murner. Justin is a trader with Cargill based in Sarnia, Ontario. Justin, thanks very much for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I mentioned off the top that we've seen some adjustments, will maybe be the polite word, to where grain markets were in this last, you know, 10 or 12 months.
1: What's happened? What went wrong? Oh, we've had a lot actually. Um, So what I'm gonna do is actually go back closer to 18 months ago, uh, February of 2022, uh, when the Russian and Ukraine war started. And, you know, at that point in time in the marketplace, everybody was concerned. You had world number one and world number two fighting when it comes to world wheat exports. And when there's a lot of question marks in the marketplace, you know, the market starts to run because they don't know how it's going to work. The question was around one, how long is it going to last? Two, what is going to get planted? Three, uh, are they going to be able to export? And, and as the war continued, uh, more and more question marks came up. But surprisingly enough, um, growers kept growing. Um, mortars were hitting you know, Odessa and, and export plants in Ukraine. Um, but yet export flows continued to flow. Um, the marketplace was quite shocked. I mean, you know, it was to see farmers like yourselves, you know, in a war, war country to maybe they didn't pick up a gun, but they joined the fight and that was, they jumped in fields and kept planting and 80 to 85% of the crops continued to go in. They found ways to export. They got real creative. And so the more, Question marks that we could check off from the marketplace, I, I hate to use the word we you know normalized a war, but that's generally what happened is there was enough crops to cover. If you would have said to me twelve months ago that this would still be happening on august thirty first twenty twenty three I would have said we're going to have hunger issues. Severe uh, shortages in wheat, specifically, and other commodities. Fertilizer wouldn't be moving. All excuse me, all these things that uh, that makes it difficult for the market to predict. Um, but it didn't. We we continue to do. Even last week, uh, we had some uh, some hits and supports in in, uh, in Ukraine, and yet the market just keeps ticking away. So that was one thing. Uh, And then number two, we also had in in April and we had the largest South American crop of corn and beans on record and uh, they have been a significant thorn in the world side or Ontario farmers side to be specific, um, because they have been the cheapest seller of soybeans and corn over the last few months and have taken a lot of exports away from us and here in Ontario, but also uh, out of the Gulf in the US too as well. So that would be the, the two major factors that really watched it tick away significantly in the last 12 months um, and even up to 18 is when it really started. Mm-hmm. So, there, so right there, you've got kind
0: of the weed export side from Ukraine and Russia, you've got the corn and soybean side from South America. But maybe we can kind of size this down a little bit more because we, ha- we have seen adjustments in those specific crops. Like you mentioned South America on the corn side. What else has brought it down? Because I think that's, that's the one that almost bites the most for all of us in terms of that adjustment we've seen.
1: Right, right. Well, and that's just it. Like, so there's a, there's a couple of factors. One, I would say the major factor is the South American corn, um, but there's others too as well. And, you know, you take a look at South American corn, it's about 20 million metric tons bigger than it was in its previous year. Um, and so they've continued to take demand away from us in the EU, whether that be you know, whether that be Ireland or, or UK, but they've also taken a lot of Chinese demand away too as well. And what that has done is really increased U.S. carryouts. And so if you take a look at at the U.S. carryout last year, we're projecting you know, last year's crop and this fall to have a 1.4 U.S. billion bushel carryout. Um, and we're looking closer to 2.2 the next year going forward. So when you, you got to take a look at corn, like that billion bushel number on a carryout is kind of like the, the benchmark, right? And anything under or at a billion bushel, the market's really nervous. Are we gonna have enough? Is there gonna be supply crunch? We can't have any issues. As you grow over a billion bushels, the market starts to feel more and more comfortable. So at 2.2, you can, suffice to say, market's pretty comfortable. Um and so the market has reacted. And we've been really range bound for Probably the last three weeks after the last USD report, when they came out with the 2.2. Uh, I mean, we've been ranging anywhere from that 475 to 490-ish, 495. And we broke a contract low, and we've really stuck under that 490 contract low on Deese corn. Is it the same story on
0: the soybean side? Because we haven't seen the price fall quite as hard, or at least it's it seems to not be quite as much of a dip from what we saw. Yeah but it's still not ideal.
1: No, and it's, it's similar. I mean, I would say soybeans is more closely related to the South American crop. I mean, they are up 20 million metric tons of soybeans and we always compete with South America when it comes to their harvest in April. Um, and then for April, May, June, July, August, and even up into September, they continue to, to, uh, to continue to compete with us on exports. But because it's so much bigger this year, um, they're even competing up into Acno Vindies. And so that's the, the thing that we need to keep an eye on is, is how long. The other thing is no different than what you Canadian farmers are seeing. They've got a low Canadian dollar versus the U.S. The Real versus U.S. is significantly cheaper too as well. So they've seen really good cash prices. And when they have, they've been active sellers and they continue to beat us mainly into China. So they're taking more U.S. But they're even competing into EU too as well, which is our big market
0: and then and then finally just kind of on the wheat side before we kind of move on to what we really all want to know is okay when's it going to go up again um but but when we look at that wheat side you mentioned kind of the european or the ukraine russia story but it's not just a story of ukraine and russia like there's a lot of wheat out there
1: Right. And that's the thing, you know, and and again, there was a lot of question marks of how much wheat would really be out there. And end of the day, we have a world ending stocks are about 265 million metric tons, which isn't huge, but it's manageable It's as low as back in 2016. I think it was about there. But we really haven't had a major growing issue in any country around the world. And if we talk specifically to Chicago and Ontario and and, and the United States, we're talking about soft red winter, which is what 90% of us grow here. um, and it, that's what we're competing with—is U.S. wheat. And U.S. had a, you know, a, a, a 1.1 mil, billion U.S. bushels last year. They're 1.22 this year. Not a record by any stretch, but a very solid crop. And and as we sit at a 1.3 million acres planted and a record, this is the biggest soft red winter wheat crop we've ever grown. And so we're in full competition with Black Sea region who have been stockpiling and still have. Uh, significant carryouts from what they're used to. U.S. We're competing within feed, whether we're going into Mexico or or Latin America or even North Africa. So it's it's there's just enough wheat to keep the market rolling, and so we continue to you know to compete. But in saying that, you know, world stocks are 265 million metric tons is not overburdensome by any stretch. So we can't really afford a major issue even this coming year. So um, this past year we didn't. Every country had a, a decent decent crop. And even in Western Canada, same thing. We were concerned early with the drought, but it's going to come in fairly respectable too as well. So
0: now the other thing I've noticed over the last number of months is just like how big these swings generally are. Like I know we've trended lower, but it's like down 40 cents and then up 35 and then down another 45 and then up a quarter. And like, these are a lot bigger swings than I think we're used to. Like what, what causes that when you know, as you said, there's just more question
1: marks kind of coming off of traders' minds. Yeah. And we've noticed it over the last even four or five years that swings have been significant. And a lot of it has to do with the money flows and fund activities that really drive it. We're more, we're more, we've been in the last two years emotionally driven versus, versus um, the actual, you know, economics of it all, right? And so when emotions, we're headline chasing is what I see. Any headline that comes out, oh, this market's up. And the new headline comes out tomorrow, market's down. And, and, you know, the best, the fun thing for Ontario farmers or any farmer for that matter to have a lot of cash flow in Chicago is you get to see Chicago go well above fundamentals, but you also get to see it drive it well below fundamentals. So it brings opportunity but with that may drive you a little crazy when you watch it up 30 one day and down 20 the next. And, and it's hard to, uh, it's hard to predict. So sometimes you just got to feed the market when it's running.
0: So then if we do kind of look ahead at what is coming down the, you know, kind of for the next season, we don't necessarily need to talk specifically about, you know, what the weather is like in Iowa for the next week. Mm -hmm. But when you do talk about those fundamentals, like, is this a case of we're gonna keep trending down, you know, overall in the markets? Or, or, or just where do you see the next couple of, like the next few months going?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. You know, one of the things we're looking at now, we'll see, I can knock on wood when I say this, cause I said this last year and the year before, but. Um, you can't be right, wrong three times. Right, of course not, right? It just, it feels like S and Ds are, are, are gonna to get to stabilizing, where we are gonna be talking fundamentals and less geopolitical, hopefully. Um, and, and so with that, you know, we're gonna see, you know, we're gonna see some opportunities, whether it be weather driven or whether it be demand driven. And so I would say the bullish factors that we're gonna be looking for right now is the last couple of years we've put in the US S and D is significant exports to China. Uh, and as we look at it today, we've got, uh, I think it's you know, 20 million metric tons of, of corn to China out of the US, 98 million metric tons of beans. It's a fairly high watermark. And so if we see that doesn't happen, whether for a couple of reasons, whether it be, um, you know, the, the, the South American crop isn't as big as they predicted and things like that, and more gets exported out of the US, then the fundamentals will start to drive the bus and less headline chasing, I would say. Then what about in terms of one of those big question
0: marks that kind of sits in the back of my mind is just kind of the overall economic conditions. We know what, you know, as as interest rates climb, as, you know, people start to, you know, cost of living impacts them more and more. Eventually that
1: drives the grain market too. Is that something we need to worry about overall? I mean, of course. I mean, outside influences are always going to be a driver and and no different when you're looking at your farm and what you decide to keep on your farm and carrying. The cost of carry, uh, you know, soybeans today versus carrying corn or wheat are significantly different just in the value of the commodity. And obviously the amount of, you know, interest rates driving has really made that more difficult too as well. Um, So we're going to have to keep an eye on those things is what is the most profitable, profitable in your farm, on your, in your business. And so we're no different than we're in the agriculture business as Cargill or anybody that's in it is, you know, we got to take a look at what those actual true costs are and no different than someone at their kitchen table's got to make a decision on what they're going to put in their freezer. We got to take a look at what we're putting in our grain bins.
0: So then let's talk specifically about these crops here because you mentioned that carryout stock on corn, um, obviously having an impact. Um, how do you see that progressing? Is that carryout just going to get worse in terms of you know, its impact on price?
1: Well, and, and that's the thing we're gonna have to take a look at. Potentially, I mean, we, if you take a look in Ontario, if you want to talk Ontario specific, from a corn perspective, I mean, we've had two record or considerably big crops in a row. And after listening to our friends at Pioneer today, sounds like we got another one coming. Um, and so we're gonna have to uh, find ways to, to move this product and, and exports are gonna have to be a driving factor. We didn't export enough last year, so we have a significantly large carryout that's been carried this year into new crop. It's not a record, but it's, it's sizable. Um, and we don't really see really good exports going forward. And it's because we have to continue to compete with South America and, and the U.S. crop, who has a good crop in the ground too as well, who's talking a 2.2 U.S. bushel carryout. So that's the, the piece we're going to have to focus on is what our domestic market, the positive side, our domestic market, ethanol has good margins, uh, feed market is okay. Um, so grinds should stay up, but that's, that's what we're going to be looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about soybeans? Is
0: it a different story there? Or is there something else that we need to be paying attention to, to its impact?
1: A couple of things. One, you know right now in the U.S. grids, they have South America projected to do another near record crop. And so anytime that you put the high water mark here, uh, anytime it comes underneath it, there's opportunity for jump on upside. Um, the other thing that we're going to have to ke- really keep a close eye on, and I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but I would say it's a yellow one, is, is the Mississippi River, right? So we've got some water levels that are, that are low uh, and a, a dry forecast in front of us. And if there is any market disruptions of not be able to get barges up and down to the Gulf, They're going to have to look at other alternatives, and and that's good news for Eastern Canada. Uh, More on the premium side than it would be on Chicago, but that's what we're looking for so that we can get into some of that Chinese demand, Europe demand uh, that the U.S. typically is fighting us for. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and that brings up the great subject of basis in general, like in terms of basis on, on all crops, corn, soybeans, wheat, whatever it happens to be you know, what's the, and, and I hate putting you in the position, what's the prediction? What's it going to do, Justin? But, but ultimately, like, what are some of these things that are going to impact it? You know, Mississippi's one. What are some of those other things that are going to make a difference?
1: Well, the big one is is, is finding demand, right? So we're, we're going to have to, you know, a smaller South American crop would be very positive to us uh, when it comes to the soybean front. Um, and, and really just to be able to hit that demand on the export front. Margins in the crush plants are really good. So they're going to run full grind, that which is good. Um, but just finding homes is really what we're going to have to look for. So I would say our price discovery is always done in U.S. funds. And I would say our U.S. basis probably doesn't change a whole lot. I would say stays fairly consistent until December when obviously the seaway closes. And and then I'd be concerned again for soybeans in April when South America does come back online. Um, so, but there is going to be opportunity up until then. And so when the export market comes looking, I, I make sure you're, you know, obviously I'm sitting from an exporter saying you should come looking, but depending where you sit, but you know, finding that demand is going to be is, is going to be positive on the bean side. And uh, any little question marks that we have, we're going to try and exploit. Mm-hmm.
0: Then just to kind of wrap up on, on specific crops with the wheat crop, obviously the big impact is still going to be Ukraine and Russia and just, just what happens there. But but you know it was interesting when you when you talked about the fact that all these wheat growing regions out there nobody's had an issue and that's why we've kind of you know slid under the radar and the price hasn't done much like are we basically one kind of crop disaster in one region away from kind of a runaway on
1: wheat or or where do you see it i wouldn't say a runaway um, but i would say there's opportunity right um, because we aren't at a high level watermark we're we're kind of in the middle kind of kind of thing um, but the one thing that we are, we're we're going to have to really keep a close eye on it, and we talked about it today it, with the Pioneer Seed talking about corn, where there could be opportunity is, and I hate saying this word, but it, and, and everybody's going to understand when I say it is the V word is vomitoxin in corn. Um, potential, if there is high vomitoxin in corn, then there's a potential for more feed wheat opportunities because it is a good quality feed wheat. Um, so that is something that they might, you know, today I would say that. Feed demand really starts to walk away somewhere until October, November as new crop corn comes off and, and cheaper basis starts coming through from a corn perspective. That may lo- linger a little longer on the wheat front if um, if there is vomit because they're just going to stretch using wheat a lot longer than they would normally. Um, so then just kind of, if we, if
0: we go stretch out even longer, that's obviously kind of what our seasonal approach is going to be on all of this. Um, but I mean, we're, we're talking about you know, marketing opportunities over the next 12 months, really. Um, You know, both for the crop that we're going to take off shortly and then going into, um, you know, the futures of 24 and 25. Um, what what are some of the other things that we kind of need to be mindful of? You know, I, I think, you know, I mentioned the economic conditions being one of them. You know, I, I wonder, we haven't seen it yet, but if everybody goes out and buys an electric car like they're supposed to next year, does that have an impact? Like, what are just some of those things that over the next couple of years, weather aside, because we can't predict it, right, of course not. but but what are some of those other things that are either bullish or bearish in the market, just to keep an eye and keep on top of?
1: So, so I, I would keep an eye on China, right? And so there's you know, there's a really good opportunity for China to come in and be a significant importer. We've had some typhoons and other issues, so that's the, the, the bullish side. And so keep an eye on them, and if they are continuing to, you gotta remember in, from a corn perspective, they took out 28 million metric tons in 2001. We're predicting about 20 this year, which is still sizable. Um, that would be more of the, on the bull side, but the, the bear side, we've got to be very careful is there's a lot of talk of economic downturn in China, and even to the point of talking, maybe a recession. So um, and if that were to come true, then obviously their, their, their imports would start to go down from 20 million metric tons, which wouldn't be a positive mark. So I'd really keep a close eye on on China and what their their economic economics are doing in their country at that point. All right, well, Certainly, Justin, thanks
0: for kind of giving us at least some insight. Of course, at the end of the day, we've got to pull a trigger, which yeah. is always the trouble that I have that, no, it'll be up a little bit more tomorrow, yeah. and it's not usually. But but still, thanks very much for all of the insight, Justin. No, so, it. And thank you for listening to the Pioneer Made to Grow podcast. On behalf of the entire team working behind the scenes on the show, we appreciate you listening. If you haven't already, you can always check out past episodes of the show on apps like Apple Podcast. Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Of course, those episodes include everything from agronomy to farm management and more. You can also follow Pioneer Seeds on Twitter at the handle PioneerSeedsCA. My personal handle is Fresh Air Farmer. And don't forget, if you're ever looking for more information or advice, just ask your local Pioneer rep or visit Pioneer.com Canada.